This is the Hockey News Podcast. Ryan, it's a somber occasion on the Hockey News Podcast presented by BetMGM and McKenny Hockey. Uh, we're laying to rest a contender, or a thought, uh, a would-be contender um, mm-hmm. that we that was much ballyhooed in the offseason. Yeah. Um, the Calgary Flames, like we said, were, were officially laid to rest. Their playoff hopes put out to pasture, shot in the face like old Yeller behind the barn. Um, and uh, uh, they're no longer in playoff contention. They are done. Yeah, did they shoot old Yeller in the face? I just, that's just how I thought you just sort it of was. Uh, uh, yeah, and oh, that wow. just makes it even worse, I it think, does. in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the Flames quite a bit on the podcast and the struggles they've had, particularly in net. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is Daryl Sutter the, the long-term answer behind the bench? Uh, you know, I mean, he is a Stanley Cup winning coach. Uh, we won the Jack Adams last year, won the, said. which is always the kiss of death when it you is. win the Jack Adams. Um, so I, I think the big question now in what is going to become the Flames offseason is, does he remain the head coach? Mm-hmm. I, would, I will say... You know, there is a pretty good option in the organization. Oh. The head coach of the AHL Calgary mm-hmm. Wranglers is Mitch Love. Uh, this is somebody with a, a lot of experience, uh, but still, you know, on, on the young side. He's, he's worked internationally with, uh, with Team Canada at various levels. Uh, so it will be, and the Calgary Wranglers uh, have a fantastic record this yes. year and last. Uh, 95 wins. During Mitch Love's tenure, uh, they were the Stockton Heat yes. the year before, but same team. He wouldn't even have to change uh, arenas, I'm pretty sure. Wouldn't even yeah. have to. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, tremendously successful. Mm. They went to round three last year in the playoffs. Obviously, playoffs have not happened yet in the AHL, but Calgary, a uh, very strong team mm-hmm. there. So, uh, I, I'd be interested to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, look, they've they've graduated you know a good amount of players from that that system this year, and mm-hmm. you know maybe Mitch Love would have the uh, uh, you know the courage to call it Dustin Wolf. He needs it, right. especially because we talked about goaltending with him so much. And Jacob Markstrom did the uh, you know if you're a goaltender, tend the goal type of mistake mm-hmm. uh, last night in a in a game that ended up you know being uh, solved in a sudden death shootout. It's yeah. tough. Um, the one thing is is even after all this, I was looking at this and I'm like, this is Daryl Sutter, and I think that. You know, he was going to stay. I, I, I honestly thought there was a chance that he was going to stay. Murray Edwards loves him, who's the owner. Um, and then I saw Nick Ritchie in the shootout. Right. And that's when I thought, there is no way that you're a competitive owner. You're, you're an owner that is, is funneling money in, into, into this team, and you want to win. And then you look at your coach put Nick Ritchie in a do-or-die shootout when mm-hmm. you have, like, Tyler Toffoli, um, uh, like Andrew Mangiapane, you know, all Elias Lindholm, all these guys, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that might have been the kiss. Of that. that would be mine, right? That would he, be the final. Spot. As critical as I've been of, of Daryl Sutter, I still was like, ah, maybe he can. You know, maybe this is just a tough year. Lots of new faces. It's yeah. difficult. No, that's <laughs> that. That is that's the that's the kiss of death right there. Right, right. <clears throat> um, but speaking of teams that are still in the playoff hunt, uh, the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. Now they made news uh, over the weekend because Bo Horvat in. What we just need more of yes. um, is asked, and it's, it's asked by the, um, it's one of those interviews on TV that goes, that's broadcasted throughout the PA system in the, in the arena. It's by the official team. Um, and, uh, you know, he talks about how great it, great it is to be in a playoff hunt, much better than his time in Vancouver. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so that's a bit, that was a bunch of shade, if you will. And, and the thing is, he, it, it wasn't shade at Canucks fans. It was shade at the Canucks as an organization. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because then the next day he, he had to apologize. He got a lot of flack from it for Canucks fans. Right. Next day he apologized. My argument is that that's, that's bullpucky, if right. you will. That is just not, he should not have had to apologize because when you really think about it, this is one of the only playoff chases he's ever been in. He's got nothing to, he's got nothing to, to, you know, to compare it to. What do you think, Ryan? I, I agree with you. I mean, the Canucks were in the playoff bubble, so he was there. Yeah, in the twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that. that oh, but you're talking about this year. I'm talking about any year that he's been there. Like, right. like they were in. They made the playoffs once in like 2015. I'm pretty sure against oh. Calgary. Yeah. Um, and then they were in the COVID bubble that you know basically wasn't even the playoffs. Like, like right. There was no atmosphere there, whatever. And then they've been. Yeah. And then everything in between those two things basically have been has been complete failure. Yeah. Um, regardless, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I don't think he should have apologized. No. I think it was, uh, you know, it's fun. I even know, you know, some in the Vancouver media thought it was great. Yeah, that, they were like, like oh, what are, you, what are you we know, supposed to say? Like, hey, like, speak your mind. Yeah. It's like rivalries are great. He used to be, you know, your captain. Mm-hmm. Now he's in uh, New York. And, I, you know, this is there's such a push and pull where, in hockey in particular, it's hard to get players to really say something controversial, mm. and I, I see their side of it too, because when somebody actually does, then you get some people in the media that jump all over them, mm-hmm. and, and that makes them very guarded because they don't, they don't want to put that out there. It's very much a team-driven culture. Players, uh, I, I think we're seeing a change now where uh, younger players are especially are willing to show their personalities more than some of the, the old guard. But there is still that reticence, and and so I understand why Horvat apologized because to him it's like ah I don't I don't want to. So you know what I have like five more reporters spotlight. at my stall this morning. Like just leave me alone. Yeah, like, it's yeah, like yeah. I don't want to be you know rocking the boat or anything like yeah. that. But I mean personally, I, I think it was great, and you know he's going to get booed when he goes back to Vancouver anyway. You think so? Well, I, sure. I, I don't think before this. They loved well, him. Well, maybe not They were really this. upset. That, and he said he yeah. thought he was going to be a Canuck for life at the All-Star game. I remember I suppose that. that's true. But now, yeah. Now he'll might get, be different. He'll probably be booed. But it's like, that's okay. But if you can't look, like, it, it just reminded me of, and he never said anything, um, uh, like, inflammatory uh, to, to spark this, like, Bo Horvath. But just, it just kind of reminded me when, like, for some reason, half of the, half of the at the time, Air Canada Center would boo Phil Kessel when he came back. Because uh-huh. it's like, he... He did nothing but produce. Right. The teams around him were terrible. Yeah. And they were never even, they were barely ever even in the hunt, mm-hmm. you know? And this is exactly what it's like with Bo Horvat, where, like, he's asked, what is it like to, you know, what's the atmosphere like here for a playoff hunt? He goes, better in Vancouver, because they were never in a playoff hunt. Right. Like, they li- every, every time when we got around to this time of the year, like, you know, late March, early April, mm. they were all, it was always, all right, well, you know, let's hope uh, they can keep losing. Like, the, the fans yeah. were... Cheering for them to lose. Yeah. That's not a great app. So what he said, first of all, it was the, you know, am I wrong? Like, prove me wrong. Totally. And you know what? Like, the thing is, is with the young players, I think they're a lot more willing to let their um, their personality shine mm. um, when in like a, I would say like promotional way. Uh-huh. Um, but this is like sort of like, this is lobbing bombs, you know? This is like sure, pro wrestling. Sure. This is, you know, and yeah. I think we need more of it. Like, I agree. I would say go off king. If it. you will, Jack Eichel did it earlier in yeah, the year too. As he should. When he went back to Buffalo. They yeah. were like the Sabers are great now. They're yeah. arguably like next year. They are so much fun. I, I, I will. I'm gonna make it a point to like go and watch right. a game there. It's awesome. Um, but during Jack Eichel's time, they were terrible, and they were never even in the hunt. No. Like it's 
So you can't you can't blame these players for being like I wasted. I, I effectively wasted. Like I grew a lot as a person, like yeah, especially yeah. with with Bo Horvat. Mm. But like when it comes to you're, you, you play to win the game. You know, it's a Jim Mora quote. That's right. And uh, and or no, that's that her. That's her bad words. Jim Mora's playoffs, right. which both make sense here, right. um, because you you play to win the game. And both Bo Horvat and Jack Eichel did very little in their respective. Uh, I would say like home, you know, home teams uh, or draft draft teams. Mm-hmm. You can't blame them for being upset now they're in a better spot and going like, yeah, this is so much better. Anyway, um, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes, they are like th- there are a lot of playoff races really coming down to the wire here. The yeah. Penguins are involved in this. This last this last wild card in the East is just you know it's like Thunderdome right now. Like totally. it's it's great and the the, the Penguins against. Against all odds, because it seems like all they do is inflict their own sort of wounds, but they are clinging to that to that spot. They are almost in. Yep. Um, they've made the playoffs 16 years in a row. Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm almost certain both your kids are younger than that. Correct. Um, which is which is absolutely nuts. The last time they missed the playoffs, I was 11, I believe. It was it was Sidney Crosby's first season. He has yeah. made the playoffs every year since. Which is nuts. Like, yeah. and that first season they were really bad, and that's what got them getting Malkin. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 quite the run. If they miss, mm-hmm. which means first time in 16 years, you know, almost two decades, they haven't made the playoffs. Yeah. How do we remember this? What is the legacy of this Pittsburgh Penguins? I guess sort of core. Yeah. So the first thing I'll point out is the all they have to do is beat the worst two teams in the NHL. That they is have Chicago and Columbus on the schedule. That's two a teams death now. Nothing to play for. Death now. So they should make the playoffs. Um, having said that, you know, watching the game against Detroit on the weekend, you saw Sidney Crosby oh, yeah. once again elevate. And Evgeny Malkin as well. Yep. Crucial time, he was there. So, I, you know, I think you look at those guys and Latang. Uh, that have been there in the long run. I'll, I'll focus on Crosby because, mm. I, you know, I've said this before, and it, this kind of reinforced it. Um, like, I think he's top five all time. Oh, yeah. At this point. Oh, yeah. Gretzky, Lemieux, or Howe, and then, like, Crosby. And, you know, you can make arguments about, you know, if, if you're a Jean Beliveau fan, if you're a Nick Lidstrom fan. Um, you know, there's obviously uh, scores of Hall of Famers mm. that you could put in that category, but... You know, you look at what Crosby has been able to do consistently, that high level, that point per game rate that he's had so many seasons at this point. Um, you know, that backhand that just cannot be stopped. We know McDavid's going to win the heart this year. It, it should be. Having unanimous. said that, when I'm thinking about who else is on the ballot, mm. Crosby's got to be there at this point, assuming they make the playoffs for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that's the legacy is like Crosby and then, you know, Malkin, the excellence that he has consistently mm-hmm. brought. Chris Letang, everything he's gone through and still played at a high level. Man. Uh, pretty incredible. Also, you know, we think back to the Red Wings and the run they had in terms of um, you know, years in the playoffs. And Nick Lidstrom never missed the playoffs, which is, which is wild. Um, but, you know, it got to the point where it was, it was almost like a millstone around their neck where it's like, we just got to get in. Um, that, last, that last playoff performance, like where they got, I believe they got swept by the Predators. Mm. I believe it was. But that last one, like you could tell, that was just, like yeah. getting in was their cup. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, so you do have to, and I mean, these guys are ultra competitive, obviously. Mm. 
so they always want to make it. And, you know, at this point, if you just miss, then it's not like you're getting a great draft pick anyways. Um, but it's going to come to the point where you say, okay, what's better for the long term of the franchise? And again, maybe they only care about the short term because you have two mm -hmm. surefire Hall of Famers in Crosby and Malkin, and you just want to keep pushing as much as you can while they're in the lineup. I understand that logic, but that's the sort of intrigue for me is at what point do they say, or do they cut it off and say, we're not going to buy at the deadline, we're going to sell. Well, what I think they did this year is they is they, they waffled way too much at the deadline. Mm. I think what their downfall was, and here they are you know, on, on the verge of making the playoffs, so I don't want right. to say downfall, but I, you look at this roster, this should be a better team than it is. Like, just straight up, I think, mm. that you have two generational talents, you know, the, the secondary scoring and Zucker and Gensel and Raquel and, yep. you know, all this. It should be a better team. But I think what, what, um, what, was, their, what, what was their downfall is that they were, were reportedly extremely hesitant to trade their first. Uh -huh. And reports from notable, I believe it was Elliot Friedman who reported this, that they had a deal on the table for like two firsts for JT Miller. Right. Right. So that would have been, look, we can say everything we want about JT Miller and his, and, you know, his early season and his, and his defensive, uh, uh, you know, sort of woes, really. Yeah. Because, and they are glaring. Right. But he's a point-per-game player now. You know, he, he has so, sort of reverted back to that, to a player. And I think any point-per-game player is probably worth around $8 million when you really think about it. So sure. at the end of the, like, I can't believe I'm advocating for the Jake, for, uh, for Tannen, Jake, uh, uh, JT Miller contract. But yeah. I mean, look, it's for a point-per-game guy. Um, but instead, they, instead they, 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 and they didn't sell. They were, they were outside the place. They didn't sell. What they did is they, they got this weird middle ground of like, I guess we'll trade like a second and a couple guys for Michael Granlin. Yeah. And that has been a disaster for them. Yeah. Apparently, like everyone in, in Pitts, I, you know, I'm very tied into to the Pittsburgh mindset yeah. because just because, you know, Jesse Marshall's occasionally um, on the, the Staff of Grab podcast. Mm. And, you know, through that, I fall. And they're just like, this guy does nothing. Like this right. guy just out there for cardio, basically, right. as they say. Um, so I think I, it, it was their indecision of being like, we're not going to take a big swing, but we're also not going to like sell. Yeah. Um, that was their downfall. But I look back at this and I go, like, I don't think, like, when's the next time that 16 straight years in the playoffs are going to happen, you know? Like, yeah. it is, with how, with how sort of, like, quick organizational cycles have become, mm -hmm. because we haven't, like, when's the last time there was, like, a, like, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think, are at that point where the, it's, like, a 10-year dynasty or whatever, mm -hmm. or a dynasty, like, a 10-year of, like, we're making the playoffs every single year, we're a very high-end team. Yeah. But even they miss the playoffs, in, 20, uh, in 2016 17, you yeah. know? So, like, when's the next time? This is a remarkable feat. And I think if it, if it, I, th I think if it goes, um, if it goes by the wayside this week, 0% of the blame, and I mean, like, not even one bot on Twitter should point the finger at, the, at Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Sure. Not a single one. It should be pointed at Ron Hextall yeah. for the inability, and I guess Brian Burke as well, for the inability to build a team around arguably three generational talents. Um, yeah. Speaking of teams that are on the bubble, the, the Florida Panthers dealt a massive blow uh, last night. Not for not for lack of trying, though, because they did throw, yeah. I believe it was 46 shots on Elias Samsonov. Um, but they did lose in overtime to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but the Panthers, they are, against all odds, like we said, they are still in the thick of it. Yeah. They are still, you know, every time they've been, they've been sort of put, there, there's been a position where, like, you have to win this game in front of them. Yeah. They've managed to do it. Um, and they're doing it on the back of career journeyman, guy who basically entered a, a sort of like the stretch run with, I believe it was an eight, 
881 save percentage. It might even be 861, but I'm pretty sure it was an 881 save percentage. And Alex Lyon, who is putting together some incredible hockey. Indeed. Ryan, do we believe in the Florida Panthers? You know, it's like I, I want to believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're calling them the Lion King, which because is Because of Alex Lyon. Exactly. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I remember when he was an undrafted free agent. Yep. Uh, there, was, there was interest, and obviously eventually he got <laughs> to the NHL. But, uh, you know, this was not a, a highly touted goaltender, you know, uh, back in the day. So good on Alex Lyon for, like, mm-hmm. really, you know, grinding through. He does have the advantage, we've talked about this before, of, you know, teams probably don't have as yeah, much of a book, book on him. him. Yep. As they, and, you know, Devin Levi, we've seen it in Buffalo. He's a, been on a great run as well. Four out of five. Just yep. learning about him. Um, Florida, I, I, I think they have the hardest schedule remaining. Yes. They have to play Carolina, and Carolina does have something to play for. Yes. Because the New Jersey Devils are still in that hunt for first place uh, in the division. So they're not going to get an easy game from the Hurricanes. Uh, and Alex Lyon did play for the Hurricanes, so there's probably Very people briefly, in that organization. Yeah. Briefly, but, mm-hmm. you know, they would have a book on him. So, I mean, the momentum is there, even though they lost to the Leafs. Um, they still got a point out of that, though. They still got a yeah. point. But they're not in the best shape. No. So it's tough, but I, I, it's a great story at the least for Alex Lyon to. It's it's basically Alex Lyon and Matthew Kachuk that have kept them alive uh, these past few weeks, and uh, it's intriguing to say the least. Absolutely, and I think that you know the thing about the Lion King though is that eventually Mufasa does fall off the cliff. He does yes. die and get trampled to death by a bunch of uh, wildebeests. I think he's Simba though. The Lion King is symbiotic, but he yeah. was the original Lion King when yeah. he started out. Um, and um, I, as much as I, I, I think they, I think they'll they'll maybe slip in I, of the to the playoffs. I don't have any faith in them beyond that. But I do. Right. But I, I just think the roster is too thin, too depleted. But what I do have have to give them credit for is you know. Keith the Chuck comes out and blasts them. Their coach comes out and blasts them, and they responded. Good for them. There Good for go. them. Um, finally. Luke Hughes, he's in the NHL now. Just real quick before we stop, do you think he can make, how quick do you think he can be before, or how quick do you think he can make an impact? I think that we're looking at next year for sure. I mean, he's going to get a little bit of time, but when you look at the Devils, they have such a good defense core, and most of them are coming back next year. But the key to me is what happens with Damon Severson, Mm -hmm. because he's an unrestricted free agent. Decisions will have to be made. He'll go. And you know you have, and keep in mind you have Luke Hughes. You have also have Simon Nemec, uh, who has had a very good year in the AHL with Utica. Uh, I think he's got 29 points this year. He's their second highest scoring blue liner, mm-hmm. and doing so as a teenager straight from the draft. Second overall pick, man. Second overall higher pick. than Luke Hughes was. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, so that's gonna be interesting. I, I think it's a good situation because Luke Hughes is not gonna be gifted a roster spot. Mm-hmm. He'll have to earn it. Having said that, he has such a great skill set that it'll be very fun to see what he can do, um, you know, at the beginning of next year. I think, you know, he'll get some chances. And you never know. There might be injuries and they got to plunk him in. Uh, but for now, it's just it's cool to see him and Jack in the same jersey. Uh, but this will be a, a marathon, not a sprint, and it's going to be uh, very cool to see what Luke Hughes can do uh, after I saw him at the Frozen Four with Michigan last weekend. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are going to now talk to uh, Luke Robitaille of the Los Angeles Kings. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll be right back. 
So we'd like to welcome to the show the president of the Los Angeles Kings and obviously, you know, Hockey Hall of Famer. We the the, the resume is is very well known. It's Luke Robitaille. Luke, thank you so much for joining us. This is very exciting, especially in the middle of as you gear up for the playoffs. Yeah. Good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. Yeah. Indeed. So uh, to begin with, uh, you know, obviously the Kings having a fantastic season and a big driver for that. Andre Kopitar, you know, uh, he's been such a leader, um, you know, both on and off the ice for the Kings for so long now. But what has impressed you the most about Kopitar and, and what he's meant to this team this season? Well, for us, it's it's kind of weird. He seems like he doesn't age. You know, he's he's the same every year. He's a, it's incredible. You know, he's always our number one center. He's a 200-foot center. He's, you know, him and Patrice Bergeron, it seems like they're, it, it, their career is so like a line. You know, it's incredible how they they produce big points. They take all the big draws. They're, they're number one guys on your PK. They're on your number one power play. And in a quiet way, they pick up their whatever, you know, 75 to 85 points every year. And they, and whenever there's, you know, there's a minute and a half left in the game, they're on the ice. I mean, so he's been that for us. He's, uh, if it weren't for him, we probably wouldn't be there this year. I mean, he, you know, we, we put a kid like Quentin Byfield with him and suddenly his career changed. You know, he's, you, you're seeing his growth. Uh, Adrian Kempe got put with him two years ago and suddenly becomes a 35 goal scorer. You know, before that, I think his best year was 15 or 16 goals. It, it, it's amazing how, you know, I, I I always think if he was playing back keys, it'd probably be a, be a big difference that we'd be seeing. But I do know he gets a ton of respect from the players. And that actually leads into something else that I want to ask you about is, you know, a couple of years ago, the Kings, it, you know, you didn't do a rebuild. You kind of did a retool where you did have uh, some high draft picks, Quentin Byfield, obviously, uh, yeah. being one of those. So you stocked up on prospects, but you didn't go through that typical period of being bad for a long time. The The team rebounded fairly quickly and, and obviously, you know, playoffs last year and you're definitely in the playoffs this year. Um, maybe you can just take us through that process of what really was uh, what's looking like a successful retool as opposed to rebuild. How did, how did you manage to pull that off? Well, we certainly felt there was a full rebuild for us. <laughs> it seemed like it was really long. But I, but I, I think you got to come in, uh, Rob Blake. When he took over in 2017 and he looked at our team and the direction we were going, even though we were still competing, it wasn't perfect. But he uh, from that day on, he, he made a commitment to not trade away any draft picks, to start – stockpiling uh, draft picks and this started in 2017-18 and uh, there was nothing said and we made the playoffs that year but we kept all of our picks the next year we kind of went sideways and that's when we started uh, you know moving really good players and get more prospect and picks and I, I think he was very strategic like we we would get some picks but we would get prospect from other teams where he made sure like his uh you know, his team internally worked really hard. Like, you know, I'm, I, I can remember, we, you know, today we like, we got Carl Grundstrom. That was a prospect. We got Sean Dursey. Those weren't picks like those were Toronto picks that we ended up getting. They're playing on our on our roster. Uh, we got Trevor Moore. 
on a Jack Campbell trade. Those are players that are very impactful on our team. So I think that's probably where he was very strategic on trying to get the right type of prospect that could help our organization at the same time, acquiring as many picks as possible. So it, it, it you know, it took a good three years, you know, like to, to turn it around. But, uh, you know, we were lucky or bad lucky that it happened in the middle of COVID. So it's a little bit different too, you know. It's almost like our timing couldn't have been perfect. But uh, it's kind of fun to see now how, the you know, the page is turning. And we still know we got a lot of work to do. But it's kind of fun to see the direction of the organization. You bring up Trevor Moore. Uh, and he's a guy who, you know, I... I cut my teeth covering the Toronto Marlies during his, his reign. And he was someone on a team full of, you know, at the time they were considered stars, you know, guys who were pretty high level. He was someone who really stood out, you know, and it broke my heart to see him move out of the market that I was covering. But, you know, he's, he's someone who was a huge fa fan favorite here and then goes to LA, goes back to his home and continues to produce and then earns this, you know, this, this great contract extension, uh, clearly showing, I guess, your commitment that, you know, he's part of the future here. What have you seen from, from him to really establish that? Well, he just plays hard every game, every shift. You know, he's playing on our second line with Dano and Arvidsson right now, and he's an impactful player, whether he scores or not. Like, you, you love to have players on your team that they make an impact every shift. And obviously, you need scoring, you need to get points. But when you get guys that play hard on the forecheck and come back hard and you know, bring their speed to the game and their character. I mean, that's how he plays all the time. And and he makes really smart plays. And you always feel safe when he's got the puck. And if you want to win in the playoffs, we all know how much value those guys have on your on, on your organization. That's why we signed him. I mean, obviously, his production was there. He's done a lot of things. and But it, it has a lot to do with the, the safety and the work ethic that he brings inside the organization. Hmm. Another player that uh, you made a, a big commitment to recently with, was Mikey Anderson. And this is somebody that's uh, had a, a big contribution to the blue line. Uh, same sort of question. What did you see in Mikey Anderson that, that made you feel like, you know, we want him on the Kings for a long time? Yeah, he's it, it, uh, just a good player. I mean, he's one of those guys <laughs> who plays hard. He's the same, like, you know, different and then like a Trevor Moore, but he, you know, he's one of those players you never worry about. So when we had a chance to sign him and he, you know, he's going to be on our blue line for the next eight years, it, it, it kind of was a no brainer. You know, he, 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 he's just like, it's funny. We missed him now. And then last night was his first game. So it's very fresh in my mind, but you can clearly tell when he's on our roster, what he brings. Cause it's the same every night. Like he's playing with Drew and uh, that pairing suddenly elevates and it makes our team, you know, the, the next pairing even better. And he just closed and he's able to play against the best player every night. And uh, he's just a really smart player. Someone uh, who the production is definitely, you know, that's that's the thing that jumps off the page is Kevin Fiala, you know, and it's a, it was a blockbuster trade you guys made. It seemed to be at least like the, the perception in the media is that you guys seem like you were a piece away and you got that piece. And you know, we see we see blockbuster trades not work out all the time. This is one that seems to have just everyone got everything they could have hoped for here. Is that the sense that you guys have with Kevin Fiala is that he's just been such a is he has he been as good of a fit as maybe we see him to be? Yeah, he's been as good as uh, what, what you've seen. I mean, he, the, the, the greatest thing with Kevin is he, 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 he rides a line so he could play. 
a bunch of games with uh, with Dano, or he's played a few shifts with uh, with Kopitar. But the, the beauty of him is when we put him with Lazat on our third line, suddenly uh, as a team we're so much better. And he brings in that fear every time he 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 gets on the ice and. Obviously, the power play, he changed our entire power play. I mean, he's got puck movement. He moves with the puck, and uh, he's been as good as advertised. And for us, he's been uh, a game changer the whole year. He's he's what we were looking for. You're right. This is one of those trades that, you know, they, on the other side, they got a, they got a great pick, and they, they got uh, Faber, who's a really good player. He's going to be really good for them. And for us, uh, we got the guy that we wanted, that we needed at the time that was going to help us. Perfect. And uh, I'm going to finish off here with uh, a hardball question for you, Luke. You've been with the Kings organization for so long. What is your favorite Kings jersey of all time? Because oh boy, LA has had some awesome sweaters. What's yeah. your personal fave? My personal favorite, I can tell you a quick story about that. So when I came to the Kings and we were uh, you know, purple and gold, the only thing I didn't like is it was the same as the Lakers, and the Lakers were so popular. I'm, I'm always competing, and I want us to be on our own. So my last year junior, and I played in, in Hall, which is Gatineau now, Gretzky owned our team. And Gretzky changed in 1985. People like don't, don't know that, and – and then when I came in LA, I never knew we were going to get Gretzky. But the year before, our, our owner, Bruce McNall, showed me a new color, which was going to be very dark, dark blue, because that was his company's color. And it was a lot of silver and white. So he showed it to me. This was like 1986, like probably January 1988. And I said, those are really nice. But I said to him, I said, Gretzky used on our team and he changed the colors a little bit more like the Raiders. And it was really cool. We loved it. So what he did is he took that jersey, what was dark blue, and he changed it into black. Now, wow. that February, he told me he thought he had a chance to get Gretzky. Now, he, <laughs> that February, and he wow. Gretzky got traded in August. And I'm like, you know, never, yeah, I never, never happened. You're like, yeah, sure. Gretzky's going to get traded. But then, you know, he did change the color and that son of a gun got Gretzky. And, and if you go back and look at those jerseys that we wore, mm -hmm. they were the same jersey as the, the Hall Olympics wore, the same color in 1985, 86, 86, 87. And Gretz owned that team. It's kind of funny. People oh, wow. are like, I'm, I'm surprised that people don't talk about that more. You know, he changed the, the first I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were this close so, to so, To answer your question, uh, I love those jerseys. It, it was black. So we were this close to a universe where the Kings were, uh, their main color was blue. Yeah, like dark, dark uh, blue. Like a wow. very dark blue. Yeah. Nice. Crazy to think. All right. Well, that's my favorite as well. The, the silver and black. I love it. They're terrific. So, I'm with you. Yeah, I, that's that's all. I just just an absolutely, and I'm glad that, that we brought them back a little bit in the the reverse retros and the silver helmets. I'm a big fan. Yeah, go. like it, it, it's funny those silver helmets. Sometimes some older people will text me, go, "I don't know about those helmets." I go, "I always tell them, you're not the demographic." <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, we want to thank you so much for, for giving us your time. You know, you guys, like we said, are, are you're gearing up for the playoffs. You're a busy, busy man. So thank you for giving us a, a couple minutes of your time. It was so, and we learned, we learned something new. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. A scoop. The scoop. Right. That's a big exclusive. Great seeing you guys. Have a good Let's day. You thank okay, you too. Bye-bye. And we're back. Thank you to Lou Robitaille for joining us. That was a lot of fun. We learned some new things, uh, you know, and that's the spice of life. Learning new things every day. Uh, now we're, let's hop into ra- Ryan Fire. Rapid <laughs> Fire. Or we can go Ryan Fire because Ryan's got it. That's right. Let's do it. Ryan, Rapid. hit me. I am ready. Indeed. All right. So I'm going to start off uh, from our previous segment. What's your favorite Kings jersey of all time? I'm, I'm going to stick with the silver and black, the Chevrolet jersey, as yeah. they call it, the Gretzky one. But so many fantastic options. Because... I also really do love the original purple and gold. Yeah, I think it's the original purple and gold for me. I really mm. there is there there is a camp love yeah. of of the Burger King jersey. Oh, I could never get that it's, with the Burger King. Like, like but I, would, I get it. I get there's a camp saying. love to it. Sure. Like I would like if if I were to go, it's like an ugly Christmas sweater. Right. Where like I, I'll look at an ugly Christmas sweater and go like, yo, that's fire. Like right. you know, I when know. really it's ugly. Everyone knows it's ugly, but yeah. that's the point. I, I really like that. But yeah, the look when they when they bring back the purple and gold mm. for reverse retro or whatever, and yeah. that is just like that's my my. I I you know what? And I'm I'm actually kind of partial to. Um, not like not like hyper sort of like uh, uh, I would say like like highlighter um, yellow, but mm-hmm. they did have a they for like one or two games they had where they had a jersey or an alternate where it was like the the primary color on the jersey was there that yellow or mm-hmm. the gold I guess yeah I love that I think that yeah. that more than the purple as the fr- as like the forefront I loved right. when they because you could just you can see that from like three miles away <laughs> right, I love right. it it was great. Nice, nice. All right, next question. Mm-hmm. What was the last new, like, I'm going to say, like, food or flavor mm. that you uh, that you had that was really good? Obviously, I have one in mind, and that's what made me think of this. Last food or flavor? Like, new thing that you tried that you were like, ooh, that, that really works. Oh, my goodness. This is a re- that's a really good question. I, um, man, it's definitely something... Um, it's definitely something I would say like Asian inspired because my palate has just kind of evolved lately into including like as a kid I was a very picky eater I was like right. you know like chicken tenders and mashed potatoes and that was that was my thing right. whereas now it's definitely evolved I would say um, adding ginger like to stuff oh yeah now I'm now I mean like in little bits because I tried to make you don't want too much ginger exactly and I yeah. tried to make um, homemade uh, general general so chicken the other ah, day like I had that's the, ambitious I, oh it, it, it was <laughs> I had noodles and everything and I like marinated the chicken overnight it was I was really putting in effort here mm-hmm. but the thing is I I misjudged the like I misjudged how much ginger went into it, and it just completely over. And I couldn't finish it; like I had to throw it out. And I hate wasting food like that. Right. But I had this big like, and I have a wok. Yeah. I had this big wok of awesome like it looked awesome at least. Yeah. Like it, you know just just general so chicken with these noodles and everything. I took one. And I'm like it. It's it's like I'm biting into like a raw thing of ginger. This oh. is bad. And, and so I. Mess it all up, but but I will say like you add like little you basically microdose, right? <laughs> like you you add like I don't even know what that means, but like yeah. you just you put a little bit in like just for just so you can have that tang as like an aftertaste. Yes, it adds a lot to uh, to a variety of dishes, variety of, of of Asian dishes which are amazing. There you go. I like Ooh, to yeah. uh, just like snap off a little bit of ginger and 
buy it at the grocery store because they ring it through and it costs like six cents. Oh, yeah. I just think that's hilarious. It is. Um, <laughs> so it's the little me, things in life, you know? It, it really yeah. is. It yeah. really is. Um, for me, I was in Tampa for the Frozen Four. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to Sparkman Wharf, which is like a sort of like shipping container area. Yeah. It's with like, like stacked we have. It's in like that. stacked yeah. in Toronto, yeah. So it's like food trucks, but they're in shipping mm. containers. Whoa. And um, I had a smoothie for breakfast that was PB and J. Oh, I've heard of these. So it was strawberries, blueberries, agave, uh, almond milk, and peanut butter. And legit, it tasted like a peanut butter sandwich flavor. Uh, I would have gone back for a second, except uh, they didn't open until noon because it was Easter Sunday mm -hmm. and I had a flight to catch. But if I go back to Tampa again, I'm hitting that. It was fantastic. All right, next. That is really good. It was really good. I'm probably going to try it myself. Uh, I'm bringing back an old favorite game. Oh, yeah. This is Ikea or Metal Band. Oh, yeah. I love this. All right. Okay. So here we go. First one, Ogan Trost. Ikea or metal band? Ogan Trust. Yes. I'm going to go metal band because it's the Ogan at the front makes it seem a little aggressive for an Ikea. A little ogre-ish? Yeah, a little ogre-ish. You know, the first thing I picture was Shrek. So, right. yeah, I will, I, will, I will say metal band. Ogan Trust is Ikea. It is a stand for a jar. Oh, Apparently. what? A yes. stand for a jar? Why does a jar need a stand? I think maybe if it's like one of those It's a things. big jar, maybe? Yeah, like uh, a huge jar. Okay. Yes. All, All right. right. I'm one. not going to do well in this game. I can already tell. Avsteg. Ikea or metal band? Avstank? Avsteg. That's got to be a metal band. That's got to be Ikea, I'm afraid. Yes, it is some sort of like little organizer kind of thing. Avstag sounds... Avstag does sound like a Swedish That EV sounds like band. A, Exactly, yeah. or at least a, at least like a like a Swedish like sort of like deep house like right, thing, right. you know? Right, right, yeah. No, unfortunately that uh, is yeah, Ikea. This is, this is like flashing lights by Avstag, like... Exactly. The beats drop in. Yeah, yep. you know, but... Nope, All right, time. okay. Next one, Nazum. N-A-S-U-M. Ikea well, now I'm band. scared. Like, cause now Which is the beauty of this game. Shout out to Matt Larkin, who used to have panic attacks when I did it to him. N-A-S-U-M. Yes. This okay. At the expense... At, 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 <laughs> I'm going to say metal band. You are correct. Okay. Nazem, a uh, tremendously popular okay. Swedish grindcore band. Because that is way too yes. way too simple to be an Ikea name. Like it's You think so, but I'm pretty sure there's like, something called like Brad at Ikea. Like true. they kind of ran out of stuff and they were like, yeah, sure, this you know, this will hold Shop your Brad. pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Next one, Unra, Ikea or Metal Band. Okay. How is it spelled? U-N-R-U-H. Are there any umlauts in there? No umlauts. Which doesn't really help you because you know, there are just as many umlauts in IKEA as there but are. But I, f I feel like they're like U R N U H. U N R U H. I'm gonna go IKEA on that one. It is a metal band. Yes, Unra, a fantastic Arizona hardcore band, uh, and I do seem to recall watching an episode of the X Files where they use the word Unra. It's like German for like. You know, so we're not even operating in Swedish? Oh, man. No. Final one. You need this. I, I, you need this. I need this for my soul, like yeah. for the rest of my day, really. Mirkir. 
Ikea or metal band? Spell that for me. M-Y-R-K-U-R. I like how this became a spelling bee. Can I get the country word? Can you use um, it in a sentence? No. no. <laughs> oh, yeah, my sentence is, I think Muircourt is... I think Muircourt is uh, an Ikea. I love this so much. It is a Danish black metal band. I hate this game, right? Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, this is everything I hoped it would be. Uh, yeah, very good. Uh, Danish black metal band. Uh, okay, final question, okay. and uh, we'll keep this relatively spoiler-free. Okay, okay. Uh, we have talked about succession before. We have, yes. Uh, this is a projection. Okay. This is a prediction. When the season ends, okay. uh, we have quite a bit to go. Who wins succession? Not Kendall. I'll say that. Fair. My, okay, my, my prediction for Kendall is that he jumps off a building. Literally? Literally. He is... They have, there was some foreshadowing. They have placed him in on the edge of a like every season he has been he's gone to the roof of a tall building mm. and on his own and just stood there and looked out across the city. I'm like, yeah, that's foreshadowing every time. Gotcha. Um, I think, I think Connor. I think it'll be the I think it'll be the one who we least expect right. to win. Right. Um, not our producer Connor who shook his head with with excitement when I said <laughs> that. Um, no, I think because. He, you know, he, we're starting to see him get some more agency. We're starting to mm. see him, you know, uh, uh, sort of at the end of the, at the end of the third season, he's like, no, I'm the eldest son. Like right, he was like reminding right. everyone that and, and, um, you know, like we're going to keep it spoiler free for this season, but yeah. I'm, we're starting to see Connor get some more agency and get, and, and sort of become more resigned to the fact that like resigned to his place in the, in the family, like resigned to the fact that like he was always looked at as sort of an afterthought and he, right. you know, he's just the half brother and mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's, everyone's looking at him as a joke. And I think that that will some, he will somehow just like how, and you know, if you haven't seen season three by now, don't, just don't listen to this, but like kind of how Tom sort of weaseled his way to the top at the end right, of the third, right. I think it'll be Connor. Gotcha. I feel like Connor or cousin Greg are those kind of like, Mm -hmm. You know, out of left field, like, ha, it's the one you didn't I think, expect. One. I don't think cousin. I don't think it'll be cousin Greg, just no, because no. I, I think he will get in his own way too much. Right. I think it might anger people. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna go a totally different direction. Oh. Yes. Oh. wait. I think I know who you're gonna say, but go on. I'm gonna say Stewie. Oh, I was gonna yes. say someone else. Okay. Yes. I think. I think uh, that will be the ultimate because it's like that would be really disappointing. <laughs> kind of, but at the same time, like it would be kind of hilarious. It if would, None yeah. of the blood children actually ended up top. So that's my that's my prediction. My, I think Stewie wins in the end. My I would say like my second one on that, and I won't elaborate on just because we don't have time. But yeah, Jerry. That's interesting. I think Jerry. Jerry has been through so much. Right. I think she will, and she, but she's stuck around. She's like a cockroach, man. You she cannot, is. you cannot kill yeah, her. Yeah, She, I think, I think Jerry. That's will. a tough path. Yes, That's a tough path. But I think she will. I think she will stick around. She's the Nashville Predators. Of, she is. Uh, it won't. It won't point. be Carl, who is my favorite character, no. unfortunately. But Maybe. I do love Carl. Um, and Maybe. on that note, another lovely season of succession is, is uh, you know, is, is taking. Uh, taking shape in front of us, and the playoffs are coming up right away. I believe our next podcast, we will be talking about uh, the first couple games of the playoffs. I would say so. So we are, we, this is our last regular season podcast, so nothing else we've talked about has mattered. Next <laughs> week will. It'll be great. So uh, on that note, if you'd like to listen to any of the, uh, any of the past episodes um, of this show or any other lovely THN show, go to, go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast, um, or find them on every lovely podcast, or they all have their own feed. It'll be lovely. Ryan? Thanks for doing this, and uh, yeah, we will see you next week.